Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to this special episode of EU Confidential. This week, EU Confidential goes green. We're talking about digital farming and how it can help European farmers become more sustainable. Maybe, just maybe, these new tools can help the EU meet its emissions reduction goals. My name is Dave Keating, and I'll be speaking today with experts, lawmakers, and lobbyists to find out how digital tools are changing the way farming is done. And we'll ask about whether the EU is adapting its agricultural laws in light of these recent changes. This special branded episode of EU Confidential Goes Green is presented by Bayer. The content of this episode is not produced by Politico Europe's editorial team. The regular edition of EU Confidential will be available as usual on Thursday. old-fashioned pastime. Indeed, in Europe, it's often thought of as a traditional way of life that needs to be protected. But if you go to a farm today, you quickly realize that this isn't your grandfather's farming. I recently visited a farm here in Belgium, and as a city dweller, I too was probably expecting some idealized bucolic scene. But what I found instead was drones, live tracking of harvests, and digital analysis of crop yields. Now, these tools can help farmers save money and farm more efficiently, which is obviously of interest to them. But they can also help reduce emissions from agriculture. And this is a huge issue because agriculture is one of the biggest contributors to climate change. Actually, a new report from the International Panel on Climate Change released in August found that changing the way land is used for farming could be one of the most successful methods for fighting climate change. So if digital duels can help with that, that is a really big deal. But at the same time, some are skeptical about whether these tools are really necessary for greening farming. There are concerns about the proprietary nature of some of these tools, and some farmers are concerned about what happens to the data they are submitting. Another problem is that market forces are not always incentivizing farmers to put these tools into place, because not all of the tools have obvious economic benefit for the farmers, even if they may have tremendous environmental benefit. So lawmakers are looking into how the EU's common agricultural policy can incentivize the adoption of some of these tools. So let's talk to some of the experts to discuss whether digital is really going to be key to decarbonizing European agriculture. I'm joined now by Philip Andreas Schmidt. 
head of digital farming policy at Bayer. He's really delving into these digital issues with agriculture that bleeds a lot over into sustainability. Welcome, Philip Andreas. Thank you, Dave. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you do at Bayer. Well, uh, like you said, here in Brussels, um, I look after our policy topics related to the digital transformation of agriculture. So a lot of the new topics when it comes to how um, farming is changing, what the impact of new data-driven tools are, and, and of course, then how does that affect government um, interests and government policy? Now, over the summer, you and I visited a forward farm here in Belgium. Tell our listeners a little bit about what that is exactly. Absolutely. Uh, the forward farming program at Bayer has been around for a number of years. And what we do is we partner with fully real-time operational farms, uh, independently owned farms. And uh, we test and experiment uh, on new sustainable farming practices and technologies. So we bring those to the farm, work together with farmers, test how those work in real life, uh, what their response to them is. And, and we also started doing the same uh, with some of the digital tools. So we not only test uh, things around water usage, um, pollinator safety, um, erosion management, but now also digital tools. Now, I remember when we were out there at that forward farm, it was a really lovely sunny day and the farm very much looked like what you would expect a farm to look like. It's in fact a centuries old farm. Um, but in fact, at the same time, they had these digital tools being used. I remember we watched a combine harvesting on the fields and we could see live what the harvest was yielding. I had never seen anything like that before. It, it's it's kind of different than what people think about when they think of farming, isn't it? Because, you know, people often think of bucolic scenes in the countryside, disconnected from modern civilization. But in fact, farms are becoming more and more connected digitally, aren't they? That's definitely true. Precision agriculture, as a lot of us have heard, uh, is something not brand new. Uh, it's been something that's been around since the 90s. Um, GPS tractors, self-guided steering, all types of precision when you think about doing something in the right place at the right time. Now we have a lot more data available and, and sensors that are able to be collecting data uh, on the farm, in the fields, uh, from the machinery. All this enables farmers to have a much better and deeper understanding of their farm. Um, you can say on average there's about 40 key decisions that are made annually by a farmer that have a direct impact on their harvest. If you can have a, a much deeper understanding and a much more predictive way of making those decisions, that has a huge benefit for your bottom line, but also it helps you um, possibly change some practices that have sustainable and environmental footprint benefits uh, as well. So we're not just talking about sensors here, though. We have drone technology, satellites that play a huge role in understanding when uh, a field is healthy or not, um, which helps make a decision of what to do or when. But we also have AI-based tools that are working and, and building on all this data that's available that helps us predict something, but it also helps us possibly change some of our farming practices as well. Yeah, one of the interesting things as we were watching the tractor live out in the field was that using previous data from this farm, you could tell which parts of the land were, were fertile, which were going to yield a good result, and which they should avoid planting on uh, because it won't yield a good result. Now, how does this connect with sustainability? I mean, obviously, it, it's wasteful to be farming land that isn't going to yield any, any crops. Uh, but what are some of the other ways that these digital tools contribute to sustainability? I'll reference back to some of the technologies from before. 
Virtually anything that helps farmers be more efficient, precise, uh, will contribute to an environmental and sustainable benefit. But there are other exciting technologies that are contributing to the space, um, some further along than others. Um, when we look at drone or satellite imagery, for example, um, we're able to detect impacting factors much more early. We're able to understand what diseases are present in a field and, and what stress factors uh, a plant is uh, under. This helps us decide when and what actions we should take to, to try to remedy that. Additionally, we have the ability through all of this data to understand what is happening and maybe act in a much more predictive and early manner. Uh, this reduces the amount of other actions we have to take. So, for example, uh, driving into a field much less often um, reduces the amount of heavy machinery, tractors, for example, that have to go into a field. This reduces the CO2 emissions potentially, but it also reduces the machinery in the field, which uh, is not great for the soil when you talk about it um, compacting it all together. Other great examples of where we see sustainability benefits actually uh, come in the smallholder segment where uh, many farmers farming small plots of land in Asia and Africa, but also parts of Europe. Um, and some of these farmers are now implementing drone technology to A, understand the health of their field, but in Japan, for example, even using drones to spray uh, crop protection products in rice which reduces the need for them to enter the field. It's much more efficient um, and, and much more sustainable in the end as well. So we're seeing benefits across the board. But when we look to the future, we're seeing small robots uh, that are able to autonomously be in a field 24 hours a day. This certainly is not the case at the moment, but the scalability is coming. And, and this has the potential to really reduce the amount of fossil fuels needed, uh, the time the farmer is required to actually spend uh, doing these um, tasks over and over. Is that because the automated ones are more efficient? Well, at this case, we don't have robots in the field at the moment. So the, the farmer spends the time to, to drive a tractor through a field, for example. In future, we can see robots that pick weeds or um, water a plant, for example, all types of different examples. What is, is most exciting about all of this, uh, these digital tools are, are scalable. Uh, so they can be implemented, not all, of course, at the same time, but implemented at a farm that's 1,000 hectares or a farm that's one hectare. Uh, so this is not just technology that helps one farmer over another. So especially with those smaller farms, what are the benefits that are unique to a small farm rather than a, a big farm in terms of these digital tools for sustainability? Well, not all farmers have the same needs. Um, and small farmers face a number of different challenges that ones in, in larger, more highly productive farms may not face. So uh, questions around access to land, financing, but also general knowledge around agriculture, so agronomic information. Um, and this through many cases, smartphones, if we look at uh, developing countries, farmers have access to a great number of smartphones. That's something actually quite ubiquitous there. And through these tools, they're able to get much more real-time information, which they haven't had access to before. So commodity prices can help influence when should I harvest and sell my crops, but also understanding when are there different uh, diseases or pests that may be traveling towards my field so I can be prepared for those things. Ah, so really, I mean, it's giving those small farmers access to the data that until now only really large farmers have had. Potentially, yes. Now, how quick have farmers been to embrace these new technologies? Are they skeptical? Are they really rushing forward with it? I think, let me take a step back here and say many of these technologies uh, have been growing, uh, but it's critical that digital tools in farming actually add value. We have a lot of uh, technologies out there that are 
looking at a certain aspect of farming and others that are copying other areas. Uh, so really the critical part is that this helps a farmer become more efficient, more sustainable, more productive. And generally, I would say farmers, yes, they are open and able to adopt new technologies. There's certain challenges to that, um, where also I think government has a role to play uh, when we look at agriculture policy of the future. But um, I would say on the bottom line, it's something that they have to also see the value in. Are they seeing the value so far or do they still need to be convinced? I would say yes, they do see value in it, uh, but it comes down to really having a, a user-friendly and also a beneficial technology. Now, a lot of these technologies might not, especially ones that would be contributing to sustainability uh, and environmental good, might not immediately give the farmer a, a bottom line benefit. Um, what are some of the ways that farmers can be encouraged to use, particularly these digital tools that improve sustainability, if, uh, it's, if it's resulting more of a, in a societal good than a uh, necessarily something that's going to impact their bottom line. Is that something that government funding can help with? Well, if we look at it from a Brussels context, um, I think certainly there is a role uh, for government to play. If we look at current uh, EU policy around uh, common agriculture policy, um, digital is something that's uh, being discussed. It's something that uh, we believe um, needs to be included much more. Uh, there are great sustainability benefits and and certainly we as a society but also policymakers have the ambition to to create a, a cap that is uh, promoting uh, sustainable farming as a whole so certainly those technologies which help farmers get there uh, should be something that's promoted as well now we discussed that a lot of the data here is actually pointing the farmer to areas of his his or her own weakness, uh, you know, areas where they might have had a bad crop yield in the past. And so obviously that's kind of commercially sensitive data. It's not something that the farmers would want their competitor farmers to know about. Uh, and so this results in a lot of concerns about the security of the data and the privacy. From your perspective, how can these systems guarantee that this type of commercially sensitive information is secure? and won't be seen by others. I think that's one of the most frequent points that comes up around digital agriculture is data and A, the value of data. But I think before we even get there, we, we need to talk about this whole question of who owns or controls, uses the data as well. Uh, so I believe that's a super critical step for success when we look at digital farming. It has to be built on transparency, trust, and also in the end, the benefits of, of the technology. So it's something that we think um, is absolutely critical. And then without it, there won't be much success for digital farming because of the skepticism, the questions behind it. So we as a company took a very clear stance on this. Our belief is that A, the farmer owns the data he or she puts into our system. And so that's full stop across the world. Uh, but secondly, the data is not shared with others without the consent of the farmer. And then finally, if they do wish to have their data deleted, um, that is something that we enable as well. So the, the technology providers have to be transparent about how the data is used. And the farmers must also see the value in the service they receive. And then in the end, that can then really build the trust and open new opportunities for growth. Let's talk about consumers. Are these new technologies going to make an impact on people's day-to-day -day lives? Are they going to notice differences in the food they eat? Yes, uh, I think overall, we as consumers are very interested in how food is produced as a whole. Uh, not only in terms of where does my food come from or the, the way it was produced, 
but also what are the environmental consequences of the farming practices and, and how did a farmer actually work? Uh, so through some of these new digital technologies, we are able to document, track, and trace a number of different data points that, that people could be interested in. I could envisage someday that food is labeled as certified sustainable in the way it was produced. So uh, certainly that does exist. And, and we as a company, we offer a, a data platform to farmers where they're able to bring their data together, make agronomic decisions on that. But also those types of tools can measure and record sustainable production practices by, by providing a, a receipt, a digital receipt of some sort where farmers are able to track what they have done. So in future, we could see many, many more information points that farmers are able to provide to consumers to inform them better. So it could make a real difference in the information that people have about their food. Absolutely. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning, when people think of farming, a lot of people have this very romantic idea. Um, do you think there is a fear among the public about changes to centuries-old farming practices? Do some of these modern digital tools in the agricultural space make people a little uneasy? I would say that's less the case. Uh, farming is certainly changing. Uh, there are a number of challenges that, that farmers have to deal with, be it climate change questions, uh, the availability of arable land, uh, but also things such as the challenging commodity markets at the moment. So farmers have to react to these types of things and, and will react to these types of things even without digital technologies. These tools are one of the many in their toolbox and are able to help them be productive and actually uh, supporting their operations. Well, it's definitely going to be a very interesting area to watch going forward. Philip Andreas, thanks so much for talking with me today. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Coming up, we'll head over to the European Parliament to have a chat with Jan Wittema. He's both a farmer and a member of Parliament. You've been listening to a special branded episode of EU Confidential Goes Green, presented by Bayer. The regular edition of EU Confidential will be available as usual on Thursday. So now that we've heard about what some of these digital farming tools are, let's broaden the discussion out to talk about how we can implement them. We're now here in the European Parliament, where the confirmation hearings for the new commissioners in the College of Ursula von der Leyen are taking place. This is a time of big excitement in Brussels, as a new parliament and commission is taking office. In the agriculture space, people are jostling to bend the ears of the new members of the Parliament's Agriculture Committee and the incoming Agriculture Commissioner, Janusz Wojciechowski from Poland. Are these new lawmakers receptive to digital technologies changing the way we farm, or will they prefer to stick with the more old-fashioned traditional practices? Well, joining me today to discuss these issues is Juan Witema, a liberal Dutch politician who is member of the new Renew Europe group and also himself a farmer. We also have Daniel Azevedo, director of Commodities, Trade and Technology at Copa Cajeca, which is the association here in Brussels lobbying on behalf of farmers. And still with us is Philip Andreas Schmidt. Thank you. Thank you. So, Jan, let's start with you. You're both a farmer and a lawmaker, so you straddle both worlds. How good do you think the EU has been to responding to the concerns and needs of the farming community when it comes to increasing the sustainability of farming? Well, I think it can do better. I think um, European legislation should uh, be modernized uh, much more. I think there is the willingness, but in the end, in the decision making, it's still quite old fashioned. I think the world is changing a lot. Agriculture is changing rapidly and they are much further, I believe, than we uh, think they are. 
So um, I think it's time to modernize uh, European legislation, for example, in the common agricultural policy and also maybe in um, enhancing better uh, new innovation in agriculture, like digital farming, for example. And do you think digital farming has a place in that transition over to more sustainable farming? Oh, yes, absolutely. At the beginning, for example, digital farming can do a lot about monitoring, so measuring, calculating and then see what the best management options uh, there are. But for example, for legislation, it can... uh, be a very interesting tool for governance Um, and that's what I hope for example in new common agriculture policy that we not having um, a measure based approach but more a goal oriented and a result based approach so that you let the farmers a little bit free how to do it and that you calculate how do you see you're monitoring what the farmer is doing and not like saying okay have you done all the measures that we have into place no look to the results the farmer can make and let the decision making about the measures let the farmer decide how to do it well, for those measures, Daniel, your association, Copa Cojeca, you guys represent farmers here in Brussels and you're meeting lawmakers all the time. You're telling them about what the farmers' concerns are. Do you think that the EU legal framework as it is today is making it easier for farmers to use new digital technology or are they making it more difficult, particularly when we're talking about digital technology that could increase the sustainability of farming practices? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting question. Uh, so for European farmers and agri-cooperatives, we are, we are sometimes stuck between uh, market realities and the consumer demands. Uh, today, we are, uh, as a EU farming uh, community, we are the first world export of agri-food products and the first world importer of agri-food products. But at the same time, we are actually losing some uh, safest technologies uh, that some of our competitors in the world they can actually use, and we can't. And therefore, some technology they can actually provide as a competitiveness edge, they can also help us to invest and enhance sustainability in order to invest in our farms. Um, but we need to focus on two aspects. The first one is about the, the legal framework that should be friendly to innovation. And the second one on the policies that can actually foster the uptake of technology. Because if we are competing in dynamic markets, we actually need to have support uh, from all the common uh, policies in Europe. It's not just, for example, the common agricultural policy. There are other policies that can help. For example, we today we have a regulation on aerial spraying. And this regulation was actually fought for airplanes. But today we have technologies like, for example, drones that use some of the data that we collect in our farms and they can actually be more precise. And the regulations, they need actually to be updated in order to take this precision into account when we can use them in our farms. On the second aspect that I wanted to underline in the policies, they can actually help us to uptake technologies. I'm talking about access to broadband in our farms. Uh, We need to invest further so that all rural areas can actually um, have access to broadband. But also I'm talking about interoperability, I'm talking about reliability, so that internet is not just at midday or then at afternoon, it must be available for all the day so that we can use our tractors, we can use GPS. And to conclude, let me just mention uh, one aspect of this data governance. We, as a farming community, we also took the responsibility in order to advise the European Commission on how to move this on data sharing. So together with ECPA, with SEMA, um, with Young Farmers, with many other organizations, we actually came out with a code of conduct on how to share data. There was two main objectives. The first one was to promote data sharing across the value chain to create value. And the second one, to ensure that the farmers actually can get a benefit of this value uh, for the work and for collection of data. 
Yeah, I mean, that access to internet, particularly for these rural areas, is definitely one of the, the key measures here. And I think most people can agree that that's a, that's a good policy outcome. But Jan, on some of those other uh, policy issues that Daniel was mentioning, uh, for instance, upgrading the way that we look at the, the equipment that is on farms, from a lawmaker's point of view, does the parliament risk locking out older technologies if it kind of forces an implementation of new digital technologies? Well, it's, it's of course, we as governance should facilitate, you know, it's not that the, the European lawmakers or legislation is making those digital tools, of course, that's mm. the companies, that's the, the, the businesses who are making it. But we should make European legislation in such a way that it's attractive for farmers and also accessible for farmers to, to use those techniques. Now, we've mostly talked about farming practices that can help reduce climate change happening, but there's also the issue of adaptation. The IPCC came out with a report in August finding that land use for agriculture will both be one of the sectors most impacted by climate change, as well as being a sector contributing to climate change. So, uh, Philip Andreas, I'd put this to you. I mean, when we're looking at these digital tools, a lot of the focus is how they can increase sustainability, but how can these digital tools also help farmers adjust to the impacts of climate change? I mean, land is arguably the most important piece when we look at farming, or crop farming at least. And so there is a huge role to play uh, when it comes to the potential sequestration uh, and use of, uh, of CO2 in the environment, but also the larger discussion around how are we farming, how productive are we, what are we bringing out of our land. And we also see a huge reduction in the availability of arable land uh, as well across farming in Europe globally as well. So all those things play a huge factor. And so the, the more technologies, and now I'm taking digital out of the equation, but technology in general has to play a role in terms of helping the farming community be more efficient and balancing the objectives of our more environmentally and more sustainable farming practices. So our view, and I think Jan and, and Dania certainly based on the comments agree, digital has a role to play in that. And we have to make sure that we a, facilitate the availability, the adoption of those tools, um, but then also make sure that farmers are encouraged to further work in those directions. So if we're saying through new farming practices, through new technologies, we can reduce the amount of water that's needed. We can help the soil sequester more CO2. Certainly there's ways to work around that, also encouraging farmers to do that. So uh, in some cases, we see these um, CO2 credits popping up, which encourage farmers to be more active on that space and that they're then rewarded for their actions as well when it comes to uh, the land use uh, that they have. I mean, in other words, it's helping farmers to do more with less. And so if they were living in a world where there's less resources or That's less anything for as a result of climate change, then it would help them. What's interesting as well in the digital area that we're now living in, we can have a good exchange of data. So for example, if you combine all the experience of all the farms, for example, in the whole European Union, and uh, yeah, you analyze those data, you can come up with the perfect solution for a lot of things. So data sharing is absolutely key as well uh, to come forward in a more efficient and less environmental harmful um, uh, way of uh, agricultural production. Hmm. Now, uh, as we sit here in the European Parliament, one of the biggest things about agricultural policy in the EU is the CAP, uh, the Common Agricultural Policy. This is always one of the more contentious areas of EU policy and also one of the biggest areas of the budget. And as part of the last round of reforms for the CAP, funds are now being tied to the setting aside of some agricultural land for greening measures such as planting forest 
forests to absorb carbon, things like that. Um, how can digital tools help farmers meet these requirements, Daniel? It is very important. I, I Maybe I w- I'll go back just to talk about, because climate change and all the greening measures, everything, it's very much connected. We, we are already facing the impact of climate change. There are no climate deniers in farming. Uh, we know the impact. And what in the last years, what we have managed to do was to reduce actually emissions by 20% in the last uh, years. And technology was one of the factors that actually helped us to deliver that. Things like GPS, things like remote sensing. Um, now they look like common sense for everyone. But at the time that farming started introducing these in, in the farming practices, were revolutionary. Um, I remember I was studying in my university. I studied remote sensing 20 years ago, and that was something that uh, was uh, was revolution- uh, revolutionary. So today, these these technologies, if we have access, they will actually help us to understand better the impact on on the greening areas, to delimit it there. With the sensors that we have all, all over uh, the crops, we can combine the data from meteorological data. We can combine data that is not provided by Copernicus or Galileo. We can use IoT, um, Internet of Things, that everything is connected, machinery, robots, and they can actually give us a very precise picture of the crop or of the livestock farm, because this can actually be applied across. This can be applied for conventional agriculture, organic agriculture, can be for uh, livestock, horticulture, vineyard. So these are technologies that are applied across the spectrum. And let me give you two examples to, to, to show the impact of, the, of these technologies. For example, I would go actually to the prevention side of it, because we actually monitor the crops now. And we know this because some of these technologies are already applied. We can understand what is exactly the needs in terms of water, water content, uh, organic matter. We can understand the impact of each culture in the, in the crop. And updating this uh, data into, for example, drones or into the robots, we can apply the right amount of fertilizer at the right quantity. And like this, we can actually reduce the impact and we can choose better techniques, for example, in livestock using cameras or IVs, or uh, we can actually monitor the animals. And before they show clinical signals, we can actually understand what is the problem and medicate them if necessary, or using feeding robots or uh, milking robots, we're actually collecting the data in order to understand the water content on the milk or the fat content, so that this can also deliver some extra income for the farmer. When artificial intelligence will start really kicking, we can actually make what-if scenarios. So what will be the crop that will actually help us to get more CO2 into the uh, the soil? How can we better manage the forest? Because we, we don't burn our forest for practices, we actually manage them uh, in a sustainable way. And with this technology, we can even do a better job. Philip Andreas, would you say that since this reform went into place, there has been an increased interest in these digital tools as a result of the needs created by the set-aside policy of the CAP? Well, I think the the set-aside policy certainly plays a role. Um, If we look at some of the new data-driven farming tools that are out there. I mean, Daniel mentioned a lot of them right now and the abilities of that. One key thing is understanding how profitable and how productive is a certain part of my land. And even within my field, which part is more productive, less productive? Where may I have environmental constraints that are just part of my soil or part of the the rocky slope, whatever it is, um, to be able to better understand that. You can choose the right part of your field to even set aside. You can even look at where are there potential biodiversity type habitats that we need to protect and you can set that aside and you can understand a lot of that through data now. Uh, So that plays a huge role and I think we see that growing more and more and farmers of course are interested to understand their field even, even in a more detailed manner. 
Jan? Well, that's the thing also on the, on the governance side that digital tools can help there because at the moment we are doing it like this, okay? You have a measure for the whole European Union. For example, set aside 5% of your land. But we're not looking to the actual results on, for example, climate change, biodiversity, water quality, pollution. Hmm. Well, we should do that. Why 5%? Maybe it can be 3% or, or, or 7%. And it does also matter what do you do with the set-aside land? Eh? Hmm. Will you plant only forests or do the other things? Well, again, with digital tools, you can exactly monitor what is your result on the measures and the things that you're doing. And then you can make the best decision, optimize as well, and what a farmer can do for climate change, biodiversity, and things like this. So, again, it's a shift away from a measure-based approach to a goal-oriented approach. And digital tools can help to have some sort of guarantee, uh, warranty, that indeed all the farmers in the European Union are delivering in the same way. And that we also have a lay playing field in that sense. Daniel, I wanted to go back to something you said before about young farmers. I mean, one thing that Europe is seeing and has seen for some time is that young farmers are leaving rural areas. They're not opting to go into the profession of their parents. Uh, and this obviously is a generational problem because in a couple of decades, we wouldn't have farmers if young people keep leaving. So do you think these digital tools are a way to help young people embrace farming? Obviously, young people are usually the first people to adopt new technology. Are you seeing more enthusiasm among young farmers for these tools? Agriculture is an old profession, but it's becoming more and more fashionable. The use of new technologies, drones, robots, what we're talking, it's about revolutionary techniques, artificial intelligence, biotechnology. We are talking about uh, satellites. We are talking about drones. We are talking about uh, robots. Um, we are talking about machines that uh, go to the fields by themselves. I mean, this is something that can attract uh, new generations can attract talent. And that's something that we want to see. We want to see new people coming with new skills, uh, with new enthusiasm, because farming is, is very high tech. And technology is actually very important because we are sometimes missing people in the, in the rural areas, workforce. And we need new people coming in. So we also need technology to actually to do some of the tasks that, that, that we cannot find uh, workforce in rural areas. Let's be frank, it's very hard for, for to have one farmer there if he, the family is not happy. You need to give opportunities in rural areas, not only for the farmer, for the partner, for the, for the future generation of farming. Because a farmer, the first thought of a farmer is how am I going to leave my farm in a more sustainable way for my children? He always wants to deliver something better. That's what my grandfather did to my mother. So this is something that is always in the genes of, of, of a farmer. And technologies, as long as they are affordable and they actually respect our standards that we are very committed to, it is something that can help to bring generation, but can also deliver to the farmer the tools that he needs to, to, to deliver for, for the society. Well, there will certainly be a lot for lawmakers here in Brussels to deal with over the coming five years, particularly as more and more of these new digital technologies come online and people increase their focus on sustainable farming and solving climate change. Uh, gentlemen, thank you all so much for speaking with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the final edition of the EU Confidential Goes Green series. We hope you enjoyed these conversations about sustainability issues. As we look ahead to the launch of the European Green Deal, these are going to be increasingly important topics here in Brussels. Ever. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 